listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And this is a very special episode. It's episode number 50. So yeah, I'd like to, uh, to welcome you guys to 50th anniversary, 50th episode. And I'm celebrating this 50th episode with my uh, my good friend and fellow horseman of the podcast Apocalypse, Mr. Jackie Smith of Into the Necrosphere. And he and I are going to be um, talking about uh, one of our favorite bands of all time, which is, of course, Paradise Lost. And, um, yeah, much like our episode we did about Danzig, um, we go through their discography, um, and we we kind of give our favorite songs from each album and uh, talk about the kind of uh, progression of their career as they've had very many different phases and different things going on and... Uh, you know they're one of those bands which i can imagine can be pretty uh pretty pretty daunting for a new fan and i actually think um that uh yeah it's even daunting trying to be like hey uh, start with this album uh, you know it's hard to say because i like all of the albums and i like all the eras of the band and it's hard to decide like which one is which to show you um so yeah so that's kind of uh I think that the songs that we talk about on each each album, I could, you know, I think uh, it would be good for somebody trying to get into the band to just listen to a song or two off of each album and then decide, uh, okay, I like this style the best. Start there and then work your way either backwards or forwards to the rest of their career. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to discover, and uh, it's a great career. And um, and uh, yeah, and, and much like our again, much like our episode of Danzig as well, um, you know. We, you know, um, I don't meet too many people who like, uh, who are into Paradise Lost. Uh, I mean, I have my friend Sage got into them like that. I got him into them and, uh, you know, I meet other people who like them, but maybe not as like super fan as, uh, as Jackie and I are. <laughs> uh, and you know, maybe some people only like certain eras or whatever, that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, so it's been, it's a great way to celebrate the 50th anniversary with a fellow horseman. Um, one of the main inspirations for the podcast itself. Actually, for me personally, Jackie was where it all started uh, because um, I discovered Into the Necrosphere, um, basically his podcast and then and the Thomas Carlson po- Thomas Erickson podcast. Sorry, um, or the two podcasts I I, uh, I first uh, started listening to, and then uh, through Into the Necrosphere, I found out about Mike Kill's podcast. And uh, and uh, got into Necromaniacs, and then uh, everything went black, and Metal Matters, and, and everything, and uh, became friends with everybody, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. So in a lot of ways, it's very appropriate to have Jackie, um, and of course, it's part of why I chose him to be the 50, 50th episode, because uh, he's kind of the ground zero for all of it in a lot of ways. Even though I think the podcast that I do is probably a bit more inspired by by the way Mike runs his runs his stuff um at the same time like uh also inspired by jackie because it's just either way all of our podcasts i think are pretty much just straight up conversations and that's that's kind of the one linking thing between all the podcasts and i like that i like the kind of uncut unexpurgated kind of uh view you know and um so yeah so we're talking about paradise lost and um that's not the only podcast that's going to come out this week. I have to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the podcast, which happens to fall on the same week, kind of. 
Uh, so this episode's coming out, you know, Sunday when you're listening to it. And then on um, Friday, I'll be releasing a episode, or Friday night, so kind of, um, we'll be releasing an episode uh, with my friend Mike Purdy, and we're covering Poltergeist, so it's a horror hotel episode, our second horror, proper horror hotel, although it's technically his third, because we did the Jaws 4th of July special, and that's going to be, celebrate the one year anniversary, um, but also is going to be showing a kind of new idea that I have, that the, um, that the, uh, about two times a month two weeks a month there'll be two episodes so uh probably every other week so one week you'll get the regular episode and then you'll get the satanism spirituality episode with joe and then uh, another week in the month you'll get a regular episode and then you'll get the horror hotel episode um so that these podcasts those things can be uh monthly podcast and um and then I can st- then it's also like so I can keep up on the main feed as well as I am very far ahead on the main feed and if I uh, kept doing things the way I was doing them uh, we would I would be recording episodes right now for October which I'm almost at that point now so uh, you know I didn't want to be that far ahead and uh, I want to get these episodes I've recorded out to everybody so so we're going to be doing it this way and I actually like the idea too of of um, you know, for me personally, I like doing the episodes covering the horror movies and stuff and, uh, the j- episodes with Joe. So I kind of like this idea of having, uh, extra episodes and, you know, everybody gets more content, right? And at the same time, I'm also going to be doing more stuff for the Patreon. Um, I just released a Patreon episode, uh, a few days ago. Um, and of course the Patreon is patreon.com forward slash soul podcast and it's $2 a month and it really does help a lot. Um, to help me reimburse the amount that I need for for running the podcast, so it's very very helpful, and and I'm trying to give you guys good content on there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, later on this month, you'll be there'll be also the next episode of the Dracula series I'm doing, which is going to be with Brandon Legion, and it's going to be the Universal Dracula, and that'll be coming out later on in uh in the month. So yep. I hope you guys uh, check it out and try to get even more stuff up on the Patreon as well, particularly since I'm more pretty far ahead on the main feed, so it ha- frees me up to have more time to do stuff on the Patreon. So yeah, check it out. Um, speaking of the Horsemen, we got the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse, which is my uh, gang of podcasting brethren. Uh, every other Monday, you got uh, Horror Wolf 666 with Brandon Legion. Every Tuesday, you got Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt, the, of course, the uh, fellow host of this episode, um, which is also the best extreme metal podcast out there. Every Wednesday, you got Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. Every th- and uh, Mike and I are doing a kind of, uh, I guess, uh, um, back and forth podcast called Darkness Weaves, which is every other month. So one month's on here, another month it's on there. And um, we're covering uh, the works of Carl Edward Wagner. And uh, work our way through the In the Lonely Place, published by Valencourt Books. Check it out. Check out those episodes Go and everything. And we have uh, some more episodes beyond Everything Went Black here soon. Uh, should be, actually, the week that you're listening to this. So, uh, yeah, keep your eyes open onto the Everything Went Black as I'll be on there. 
And um, Thursdays, you got Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scangato, and Jeff Kashid. And then Fridays, you Break the Apocalypse with John Draper. And then I have the uh, other uh, podcast, which I'm shouting out, which is uh, Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax, as well as the Mycelum Signal with uh, Konstantin Tuonohovi. And I have an episode with him coming out next month. Um, And I got a few other really uh, pretty awesome episodes lined up. Next week's um, Sunday episode is going to be uh, with uh, Void from Nihilus. Uh, great. And he's also in Gravier. He's uh, one of the guitar players in Gravier. And uh, yeah, it was a really, really good episode. He and I become friends, and um, he's an awesome guy. And I'm really excited to get this episode out to you guys. And it's a great conversation, three hour conversation about black metal and all these types of things. Uh, he's going to be coming back on again in the near future. And I think maybe record an episode with him for October, um, which will be about. Under the funeral, under funeral moon by Dark Throne. So that'll be fun. It'll be cool to do uh, do uh, something just about a uh, an album. Um. So yeah. So that's what's coming up. Speaking of Paradise Lost, obviously. And uh, oh wait, and I do need to uh, to do the other shout outs. Uh, follow everybody on Instagram, Facebook, etc. You can follow me at either my name or Denver Underground Radio which is my online radio show station that I run with my friend Ken. We do uh, episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. I have my show on Tuesday nights from 9 p.m. Uh, Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is Darklands, which is all black metal, death metal, dark dark ambient, stuff like this. Thursdays at the same time, which is 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have the Upstairs Room, which is... Uh, show I do with Ken, which is all dark wave, um, goth, uh, trip hop, whatever, whatever we feel like. So that is what's going on. So like I said, speaking of Paradise Lost, I figured to kick off this episode, um, we'll be playing Paradise Lost song. And, uh, yeah, I've been like trying to go back and forth. I had Jackie pick one. And uh, I've been trying to go back and forth between two songs to play. And I think I'm going to play this one. So we're going to play Enchantment from Draconian Times. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoy. Hail Satan.
the podcast, Jackie. Well, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a little bit. We've been we've been kind of we kind of fucked up last week versus. <laughs> yeah, I know that was uh, that was my fault. I uh, well, I, I can I can tell you what honestly happened. I fell asleep on the sofa. So. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's I, uh, be- between work and between the podcast and you know everything else that I've got going on. It, it's like it my my life has to operate on this really like military precision. And if it doesn't, then I just I, I can't just can't fit everything in. So yeah. I'm normally up at like five o'clock. I go to the gym, come to come home, do a ten hour work day. Then you know anything related to the podcast has to get done. You know, and then I need to uh, make time for uh, relationship maintenance and uh, and the romantic stuff as well. So so right. um, you know, and then I've got my daughter every second weekend. So that also makes things a bit busy because it's it's a six hour round trip to go fetch her. So right, but we've yeah. been we've been talking in you know back and forth in any case. I, mean, I think we we speak just about every day. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Like was well, both both of us because last week I also got mixed up with the times as well. So I uh, so we both you know it was one of those things. Like when you're, I've been like doing a lot of episodes with people in europe recently like different yeah. parts of europe so it's like you start getting like confused i know also australia you know what i mean like and australia is like a funny challenge because they're literally like a, a whole from here they're a whole different day than here you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's like 16 hours ahead of here <laughs> well i mean you know the uh the the nice thing about living in europe is that if you do a podcast like this you're pretty much covered across, um, you know, across most continents. If I want to do something with Australia, I just do it first thing in the morning. Like, you know, I can do like a five, six o'clock and that's kind of the tail end of their day. And in the U S I can do something around now, you know, and it's, it's still a reasonable hour for people. So that's, that's one of the few perks of, in my opinion, of living in Europe is you, uh, you've got a reasonable spread of it when it comes to, to time to book people in to have these types of conversations. Yeah. The um yeah, doing Australia is not too bad, but they it's kind of like I have to do night my time and then middle of the day their time. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. you work pretty crazy hours as well, though, do you not? Yeah, I mean, well, I work. Um, I have I have been working six days a week. I'm still kind of working six days a week as well, but I'm just doing different job on the th- sixth day, where I yeah. have a little bit more time where I can fit in stuff like this. So, but um. Yeah, so I work. No, quite, I, I, I actually just also as we're talking about podcasts, I do want to say congratulations because um, you are about to do episode fifty in the yep. very near future, right? Yeah, I think this episode will pro- probably be be the episode fifty. Oh wow! Yeah, well, firstly, yeah. thank you very much for making me a milestone episode. Yeah, but uh, yeah, dude, I I think it's awesome what uh, what you've done since um since you've gotten this podcast started i mean i remember when we first when, when you know when we were first talking about it um and yeah it's 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 great to see the podcast go from strength to strength and it really feels like you've um it really feels like you've hit your straps um you know especially with the guests that you're having on recently you know your presentation style everything is it's you know you're doing a sensational job and it, you, and, it's, and it's great to have you as part of the uh the inner circle as well right <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Jackie. Yeah, I think um, definitely feel like the podcast has gotten better over the past. I mean, it's been particularly over the past few months. Have kind of gotten a little bit. Uh, uh, I guess, like you could say, more. Yeah, more. Just the guests, uh, you, you know, gotten better, and 
just overall uh, you get more confident with it you know like where you're like after a while you get you kind of like you kind of get in that that swing of things of like yeah okay now we're doing the like where to be earlier episodes i feel like it was a little bit more sometimes when i'm talking about myself at the beginning you're kind of like a little anxious you know so you're kind of talking too fast yeah. or whatever <laughs> yeah no well dude i, I mean I, you know I, i've been down that road and i i still will sometimes there will just be certain days where when i'm recording because obviously my podcast half of my podcast is just me talking so with a news rant it's easy because there's back and there's still some sort of input you know i'm reading stuff i'm listening to stuff so that's easy to do but when i do intros reviews outros stuff like that it, it's remarkably difficult talking into a camera and kind of keeping track of everything that you're saying or, or keeping on on track some days I'll, I'll do it really easily it's like one one shot and it's all done other times i, I remember i mean probably quite recently about three four months ago I remember I was up to like take 29 on something. And the problem is I like, I know myself, the more wound up and pissed off I'm getting, the worse the takes start getting. And then it's like, you know, you'll listen to it back. And you're like, oh, I can't put out that bullshit. And then you, you go on to the next thing. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it's just, it's just repetition. The more you do it, the more you get practiced at it and the better you get. It's the same as having a conversation with somebody. You just start to, you start to be able to read people more effectively and, you know, through reading them, you can direct the conversation where you want it to go. Um, you also, you know, you as, as I'm sure you've experienced, you get a couple of curveballs thrown your way every so often. You get a person who who doesn't quite grasp the concept of back and forth two way dialogue, but um, <laughs> you know, you make that you make that work as well. I haven't really had had that a big problem with that yet, but that's mostly because a lot of people that I've had on are people that. Uh, have you either been in communication with a little bit before I asked them to come on or, you know, like, um, like you get a lot more of the kind of randoms where you're like communicating with labels to get people on and whatnot. So yeah, where most of the people that I have on are people that I've been communicating with a little bit before and then I asked them to come on or yeah, stuff like yeah. that. So, I mean, those, those do make for the better conversations too, I find, because a lot of the formality is already out the way. So you can, you know, you, you can crack a joke with somebody and, and you you can be confident they're not going to take it seriously. Like, you know, when you're talking to somebody, I mean, it, it's just a, the reality of it, right? My my sense of humor is very, uh, my mom used to say I've got a warped sense of humor, which is, and I think that's because I grew up on married with children. So, you know, you, my, so, so when you kind of crack a joke with, with people from a particular country or from a particular background and they don't necessarily get the reference, they might think you're being rude to them. You know, but I, you know, I am a bit of a silly goose in my normal life anyway. So, uh, uh, it's it's when I'm talking to someone that I really that I know really well, I actually do sometimes enjoy those conversations more because I can just be myself. Yeah, there's, there's some definitely a benefit to that. <laughs> not 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 that I'm not myself when I talk to someone, but uh, you know, to, to someone I'd, I've never met before. But it's the the like the like round one in in those instances is always the hardest. Like Michael from Friedenstahl, like I've had him on three times now, and the third time was by far the best because he's much more relaxed. You know, we 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 don't have to, you know, there's no no there's no breaking the ice anymore. We can just have a proper conversation. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you when you talk to people more, it's just a bit more comfortable. You know, like yeah, and uh, yeah. So or sometimes you get a get a gall where it's kind of like. <laughs> Well, I've got a potentially by the time this episode goes up, 
this this particular episode I'm going to refer to now will already have aired. Um, but I've got another legend of the Norwegian black metal scene. I can tell you now, he was way more talkative than Gull. <laughs> I <good>. was <laughs> I was dreading what what <laughs> might be when I was like, you know, in, in the anticipation and the build up to get it um, to get it sorted out. I was like, oh man, what if this dude is just like a you know single sentence. <laughs> yes, no, kind of guy. This guy, fortunately, was very, very talkative, and I think people are going to fucking love when they hear it because not a lot of interviews with him. This is a like I. This is the only long form interview I know of with him available anyway. Yeah, I'm very excited to hear that. So yeah, it's fucking awesome. Uh, I, he was he was exactly the kind of guy that that you would want him to be. And I mean, I can I can say it because I've already posted about it on Instagram. It's um, blasphemer. So yeah. talking about the new Ruim album, talking about Ultimas, talking about his time in Mayhem. We spoke a lot about Ordo at KO um, because I fucking adore that record. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it, it exactly how you would have wanted him to be. That's exactly how he was. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that Ruim album is going to be um, up in the up in the top five for sure like there's no way that it's not gonna Dude. be it might, it might be the number one we'll see <laughs> i was about to say i mean for me right now not 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 to give the game away completely but it's my it's my number one right now by far i don't something incredible is gonna have to come out this year t- to top that because it is like it is just every single thing i love about black metal rolled up into one album and it's in it and it is genuinely to me the spiritual successor to auto at ko Funnily enough, we we actually touched on that quite a bit in the podcast as well. That uh, again, I'll 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 save it for folks to actually hear the conversation. But um, th- there are some interesting parallels and connections between the, the the two records and stuff that even he only realized when we were talking about it. Um, but it's just it's a it's a phenomenal album. It's flawless, flawless black metal. Yeah, and I'll be. I have to say that in a lot of ways, I think I like it more than Order Out Kill because it has a bit more of that kind of traditional black metal elements in it than yeah. the that that kind of get me you know what i mean so yeah definitely uh, yeah no i would i would agree i mean i would say i mean who 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 could have a chance of topping that if our friend nas brings out um a new eclipse record then maybe there's a maybe there's a <laughs> chance maybe there's a contender yeah um I, that, that's what i was thinking i was like if if but i don't think that uh new eclipse album is going to have this year but no, it'll, uh, we'll be, it'll be 2024, yeah. I would assume. Yeah, I, I would. The only way, yeah, I don't really see, unless like uh, Debra Mort like uh, push it forward real fast at the end of the year. But I think, I think I'm predicting 2024 for that one, just from what I know. Yeah, it's 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 unlikely. So again, same same. I agree with you based on what I know, and also based on how long it's taking people to get you know uh, a, a space to have their vinyls pressed. You're talking about a at least like on a you know a six to eight month lead time is my understanding from when the record gets finished to the to to when they can get the vinyls done. Yeah, like you know again a very famous Australian death metal band who I who I promote relentlessly on my podcast. I mean, the record that they are going to put out in August, I, I've I'd heard it in December already. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so and they they do work reasonably quickly, but they have you know it it partly the delay is because they, it takes so long to get everything up and running. If you want to do a full you know full blooded release, if you want to you know vinyl at the same time as you've got you know t shirts and all that shit coming out. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine, I would imagine that Dark Cleese will be done by the end of the year and probably come out 
sometime next year. So yeah, that's my, like that's, August, August, September. Yeah, that's my that's my guess based off of um off of uh the stuff I've heard. So well, I mean, I hope the uh, the Antifa types and Noob Heavy and all of those uh, luminaries of Metal Twitter, I hope they've got uh, a fresh supply of Kleenex when that uh, when that record <laughs> drops. I hope, they, <laughs> I hope all those people were crying too, like over the fact that uh, as much as they tried to mess up his tour, that tour went off well and they fucking sold out every venue, you know? <laughs> yeah. So doesn't matter. Yeah. They can try to cancel people as much as they want, but it uh, doesn't matter really yeah i mean i think you know sadly that's just a contingent of people we're going to have to deal with in the scene forever and i think the 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 best thing that we can do is to just try and forge our own separate path from from them because you know if if there were common ground to be found here where we could you know find some degree of consensus and say hey you know live and let live You, you you like the shit you like we like the stuff we like you know then you you could reach that happy medium, but this is a this is a group of people that do not believe that you should have the right to be able to listen to a band who they who they dislike, you know, whether fairly or unfairly. Um, and unfortunately, fundamentally, I just am opposed to that way of thinking. Uh, and so we will never see eye to eye. And so, you know, short of a you know fucking meteor hitting the earth and wiping one of us out. We're just going to have to figure out a way to to you know to probably coexist in parallel rather than as some sort of unified scene. And I mean, I have no problem with that. I've said this yeah. to Mike when he was on the podcast before. I've never, I've never felt like I identify with any particular scene. Um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I need to be part of any sort of tribe or any sort of fucking herd thinking. Uh, you know, any 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 time when people have spoken to me about the metal community and this that and the other, I just go. I just go numb. I don't. I don't care about stuff like that. Like I, you know, I can. I, I'm. I'm an independent person. I think for myself. I don't need to be part of any group, tribe, scene, or otherwise. So you know, for for me, not 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 having people like that around me. You know, the 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 cancel mob. That's the that's the optimum way to live. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think. You know, we'll just move along as if they don't exist, really. <laughs> I mean, we we we've got our own community for it. I, mean, I I you know, people mustn't misunderstand when I just want to say I don't need to be part of any community. I don't I don't mind like some organic community, you know, springing up like we've we've got with a with a horseman and with all of our podcasts. And I I I said this to Simon from Nightmare as well. I've started to notice there are specific bands kind of in our orbit now as well. Like Chris Grav, you know, obviously Tombs, Ulta, bands like that. That's that's fucking cool. I like that. But yeah. that's something that started organically. It's because we just all happen to share similar interests and a similar, maybe even not just similar interests, a, a similar mindset, I think. Yeah, I think it's a mindset. I mean, we're all different. It's like a little group of individuals. You know, we have our own yeah. own things we like and we connect on, on certain things and have a similar mindset overall. Yeah. But, um, well, let's get into the main thrust of this episode, because uh... counting down our favorite porno movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we have a couple of hours, so let's get into this. So I have to get out. So yeah, let's get into the. So we're basically today we're going to be talking about one of our favorite bands in the world, which is Paradise Lost. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we are indeed. Let me let me give a quick uh, preface on that because I don't know whether I've mentioned this on the podcast yet or not. 
Um, but I'll say it to you because I think this is a nice way to get things started. My daughter is nine years old. The very first show that she's ever going to see in her entire life is going to take place on December 1st when she and I are going to go and watch Paradise Lost perform Icon in its entirety uh, at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. Uh, and she will, they will have My uh, my Dying Bride in support. Yeah. So talk about a fucking great show to go to for your first show. She best enjoy it or she never gets a present from me ever again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, Yeah, I'm so excited about that. I can't tell you. Yeah, well, My Dying Bride and Paradise Lost are two of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I would love to see both of them together. I'd be sick. Oh, abs- like, absolutely. But uh, I'd have to travel across the seas to probably see that. So <laughs> it's not going to happen. Well, here I mean, States. you never know. They 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 might uh, they might pull together and do some shows in the states. I mean, they I would assume they're going to be touring this Icon uh, anniversary because they're also they're also re-recording the record. Um, and they're a reasonably hard touring band anyway. So I mean, you never know. They might, uh, they might. I mean, hop across the pond. I've seen Paradise Lost, but I mean, I don't, I don't think that My Dying Bride is ever going to do a major seeing, tour in the seeing States. Them together. Yeah, seeing them together. Or is, seeing... is My Dying Bride not uh, particularly popular in the U.S.? I don't think so. I've only met like two people who actually know who they are like oh, in the wow, states okay. like maybe three now you know i met now more than that now because i met you know mike and mike and and all them you know what i mean but mm. they're you know but in as far as like say here in colorado like i've only met like one person two people who know who they are so and that's you know like when i saw paradise lost for example they toured a souls to fear and um almost the entire crowd was there to see souls to fear after they got done like half the crowd left and there was probably like 100 people in the in the venue to see Paradise Lost, and uh, but Seriously, credit, wow, yeah, credit to credit to them that they still put on a great show for all a hundred of us, you know, like maybe one hundred fifty mm. people. Yeah, I mean, and I was talking to some of the other people because I was up front because there was, wasn't really anybody there, and some of the other guys who were up front, I mean, they weren't even American; they were from South America, so mm. half the crowd was not even. There was like big mexicans and south american people and very few like white american like people here in denver so that just... out of out of interest why do you think their music doesn't necessarily resonate in uh, north america i don't know i mean i think that it might just be a product of um them not really touring here at all like in the past mm-hmm. like i mean they've only done a handful of tours in the states you know like um like in the 90s and stuff i think they did one tour maybe you know, and um, then they did some tours for um, Tragic Idol. They did one tour for that, and then they came again for this one. I saw them, which mm-hmm. is for um, uh, I saw them for um, uh, for Medusa. But um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. I think it's kind of one of those things, like uh, just like here in, in the states like when it comes to doom feels like the more popular style of doom is the kind of like stonery or sludgy doom mm. and the kind of european doom like paradise lost or my dying bride and whatnot i mean they're, they're they probably would do real well on the east coast west coast probably like chicago but but here in the middle of the country i don't know like it just doesn't seem to be the popular type of style but that might be changing i mean sh- sh- swallow the sun headline here you know like there are doom bands that do well it might just be a product of them not really getting out here too much you know what i mean 
Well, I wonder whether it's not. I mean, they are by nature when you speak to them. Obviously, I've had them on on my podcast, at least some of them, and you, I've seen them live many times. Both bands, they they are by nature very very English, uh, and I wonder if it's not because of that that they, you know, they they sort of their their niche varies very much as the UK and Europe. Um, you know, I don't know whether they've got a huge cult following in Australia, you know, or Japan or any market like that, but I, I can't imagine that they do, but they, they, they certainly, you know, have a very significant following in, in Europe and, and a very significant following here in the UK. Yeah. And I think they're pretty popular down in South America as well. Like, mm. um, and I think that might be that culturally South, South America and Europe have a lot more in common than the United States, you know? Yeah. I think that there's certain types of music that maybe, uh, I don't know. It just, I hate to say it, but sometimes people in the States can be a little bit like they're put off by stuff that's too, like, I don't know, like that kind of vibe that they, these bands have, like, say, My Dang Bride or whatever. A, a miserable vibe. Yeah, kind of miserable, kind of like gothic, like, um, you know, uh, cultured type of feeling that these bands have. I think mm. sometimes Americans, you know, I mean, like the big bands here are, are usually. You know the ones that can reach their lowest common denominator. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I mean, I think it's also interesting when you think about where both of those bands come from. So they come from a town called Halifax uh, in West Yorkshire in, in England, and I mean, it's you know, it, it's Halifax is kind of that quintessential rainy England town. Nothing, nothing much going on there. They, you know, both bands are very much a reflection of their their backgrounds. So again, to your point, maybe it's just the fact that there's not, you know, people need people when people react to a band, rightly or wrongly, it's 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 because they can they form some sort of emotional connection there. There's some sort of emotional, you know, synergy between maybe how they feel, where they're from, what they're going through at the time, et cetera, et cetera, and what that band is conveying. Um, you know, and I can completely understand why people in Chicago are miserable because they had Lori Lightfoot as mayor, and now they've got uh, her even worse successor, Brandon Johnson. So <laughs> there's plenty to be miserable about in in Chicago. So, so maybe that's why they're more popular there. Yeah, I would I, I would imagine with that Simpleton running New York, they're gonna they're gonna soon become massive in New York too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you have to ask people in in uh, on the East Coast, like you know how popular they are but i would imagine that they're more popular it's like the same thing like with just like goth music as a, like say goth music in of itself is a much more like, straight pure goth music is much more popular in say you know philadelphia or those types of places than it is here i mean here yeah. we do have a goth scene and it has grown somewhat um but yeah it's not it's not a huge thing and i, I don't i think like and I think even like a lot of those goth people might not even like Paradise Lost because it might be too metal for them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so. well, I was about to say they're also not a band who've really stuck to one style consistently, right? So you you know you you start with Lost Paradise, which is you know very heavily death metal orientated with kind of doom tinges. Then you've got Gothic, which is something different. Shades of God is different. Our Icon is different. Draconian Times is different. They were never really a band that kind of just stayed in one groove and and were happy to repeat themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, again, if you if you come from a particular persuasion of, you know, certain kind of music that you like, um, and that's really your your you know, your only that that's that's sort of your your vibe, your groove, 
maybe you're not going to find that consistency with Paradise Lost, and that might turn you off to the band as well. I mean, I know in South Africa, I, I like how I discovered them was purely by accident. I was out skateboarding with um, a bunch of my friends, and I heard the song playing, and you know, really, really heavy song, really brutal death metal vocals, and then all of a sudden, I heard this female voice coming out, and that was Gothic by Paradise Lost, and I was, I, I had never heard anything even remotely like that but i mean interestingly almost everyone that was there hated it um right. so it was just I, I i don't know why it appealed to me as much as it did but you know maybe it's that um saying of art you know your great art chooses you but uh yeah i was just i was in love from the second that i first heard it and gothic and shades of god were the two first paradise lost albums that i got i, I had a cassette with you know one one on the a side one on the b side um yeah which also meant they cut off. Well, actually not Gothic, because Gothic is Gothic and foot onto one side of a 90-minute tape, but I think Shades of God's a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, but, I um, think, like, when I first got into extreme metal, um, I got, I kind of got into black metal and doom metal kind of in parallel, like, together, and uh, um, got, like, Shape, Shape of Despairs and um, My Dying Bride, like, um, as the flower withers and stuff like pretty much in tandem of getting all these black metal albums and um, as part of that I eventually found Paradise Lost obviously because if you do any reading about My Dying Bride you find out about the, the you know yeah. peaceful peaceful trio in, in, you know in, 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 inevitably yeah you're gonna if you if you like if you like My Dying Bride Paradise Lost or Anathema you're gonna eventually find out about the other two you know what I mean and so very early on I discovered paradise lost and anathema i think probably the first paradise lost thing i heard might have been draconian times but uh i don't quite actually it's funny because i don't quite remember the first album it's just, i've been listening to them for so long i don't it's like one of those things where other bands you remember exactly which album was but for them i'm like i think it was probably either gothic or draconian times but but at that point it's early 2000s they already had all this time and so it was kind of like getting into everything kind of at the same time in a way so and i was also <clears throat> when i probably when i got into him was around the time that paradise lost their self-titled one came out and then mm. so it was pretty interesting getting into them and then following their career and seeing them kind of get back into the swing of things and away you know what i mean like with those later albums which have become which like you know got each one as they came out and fucking God, I, like loved every album, you know, because I feel like Paradise Lost. I always put their career as like, I would say, um, four. There's four main like kind of eras in the band. So you had the first era, which is Lost Paradise, Gothic, and Shades of God. You know, so you go from the do the more death metal with Doom from Lost Paradise to the kind of like, you know, this kind of Gothic Doom metal death metal of Gothic. And Shades of God, I feel like, is very much there. Like, um, feels like more of like a Celtic Frost, you know. Like you start to see them shifting into the next sound. With so it's kind of in between. Yeah, it, it, it's, then, it's very much a bridge between Gothic and Icon. Yeah, right. you, you, they, they wouldn't have been able to do Icon straight out of Gothic because people would have gone, "What the fuck's this?" Yeah. Even though they did do a, a, a much more extreme swerve, you would argue, when they made Host. But, in a way, um, but but I would say then you have Icon and Draconian Times, which are like the next era. They're two piece, peas in the pod, you know, like they're basically like one goes into the other, like they like almost they're pretty much the same style, right? You know? Mm -hmm. And then one second is kind of the 
I would say the shades of God of that era. So it's like the one that's like shifting them into this more gothic type of direction, a goth goth rock direction. So then you have host and, but I think you, you could see host coming from last second, you know, because host is like basically like the, I always call it like host is like the greatest Depeche Mode album that Depeche Mode didn't really didn't make. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that's Yeah. See, it's interesting for me with them. I, I, they were just a band where for whatever reason I was more or less on board with whatever they wanted to do. Like I, I remember the only record that they put out that took me a while to properly wrap my head around. And it's, it's because I think of the age I was when I got shades of God and how obsessed I was with that record. It was like, you know, like when you, when you're a teenager and you're, you know, having whatever issues you're having at school and, you know, girlfriend leaves you and bullshit, bullshit, you know, typical teenage boy crap. Um, you know, then you you will cling on to certain albums. You know, that's like vulgar display of power was my inspiration tape. And when I was feeling miserable, Shades of God was my was my go-to record. So I was Shades of God in particular, I think maybe even for a for a lengthy period of time, more so than Gothic, I was just obsessed with that album. I just thought every single song, and I still do, is just a masterpiece. So when Icon came out and it was a you know a much more commercially palatable version of paradise lost than you'd heard you know anyway before even though shades of god as you say kind of sets the scene for that record that took me a while to get my head around but then uh, I, you know for whatever reason it wasn't a conscious decision i just was on board with the idea that they were going to do something different with every single record yeah and i've kind of come to really like that about them um you know i loved host when it came out i i absolutely adore that record still um and paradise lost to me i mean as a as a if you if you look at their body of work which is i mean significant number of albums i think you're talking like you know 13 14 records they're, they're one of those bands where even when they're not at their best where you could argue believe in nothing was probably the lowest point of their career yeah that's um, insane. like but there's still some fantastic songs in that album I yeah. mean, really, really good songs. Like, if people go back and you listen with an open mind to songs like Illumination, uh, Never Again, I mean, Will Pretending, the last song, I mean, it, there are phenomenal songs on that album. Yeah, I'd agree. And yeah, after Host, you got Believe in Nothing and Symbol of Life, or I think continuing in that, each one bringing more guitars back, you know, like, yeah. if like each one's a bit more guitar heavy, like Symbol. But they're also, I would say from one second through to the symbol of life is kind of like this one era where they're kind of like more experimenting with the goth rock elements. And, you know, and I feel like all of them are good. Like host is the most, you know, goth, like, you know, electronic Depeche Mode feeling. But, you know, I think this was a great era for the band. But I do have to say that, you know, when it came to releasing like Paradise Lost and then in particular in Requiem, um, I feel like that's when they, they kind of found, I guess, like their more mature sound in a way, like where mm -hmm. if you listen to In Requiem, Faith Divides Us, Death Unites Us, Tragic Idol, like these albums are all great, you know, and and then even better is The Plague Within, which brings almost kind of a even more kind of twists and turns where you have like the kind of black metal elements on it even, you know, like with certain songs. Mm. And um like, uh, I mean, of course, Medusa is kind of like the, the the connection was played within. But I would say like this era, this later era, I think is just as strong as their earlier era. You know, like I feel like they're a band that like never, 
like you said, they never released like a truly bad album. Even Believe in Nothing is not the strongest album, but it's still a good one. Mm. But I would say that in a lot of ways, pound for pound, the stuff that they've done after in Requiem has been probably their best work, you know? Well, I, I would include it in Requiem with that because, I, again, that's an album I love. I mean, yeah. that album is filled with so many great tracks. Never for the Damned, the the song that opens the album is monstrous. Yeah, uh, Beneath Black Skies is incredible. Uh, Your Own Reality, again, the song that closes the record. <clears throat> I would maybe put that in my top ten favorite Paradise Lost songs ever. Yeah, well, um, I am including that album, like from in Requiem on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And then you, you, you've mentioned Tragic Idol a couple of times. I mean, you know, talk about a, an album that is an absolute fucking banger. Yeah. Jesus I, Christ, there's a lot of good songs on that album. And I love Faith Divides of Death Unites Us because it yeah. kind of, to me, this album brings back some of those elements from Shades of God where you have some of these kind of Celtic Frost type riffs going on. There's a few songs, you know, like, um, like I would say like As Horizons End, and uh some of the other songs have like this kind of like almost celtic frost type riffs going on you know what i mean mm -hmm. which i always felt like shades of god had that kind of feeling yeah well it's very interesting when i had greg mcintosh on the podcast he was talking about his approach to songwriting and you know he he's he has this obsession with writing the perfect song um and he kind of just writes in whatever style he's led to write in at the time. And, and, and what what has been very interesting is how effortlessly it seems he's able to lend his hand to you know the just about any style you can imagine. You know, even recently, so they did this Ragoy record, which is you know phenomenal, crushing, you know, death doom. Yeah. Then they've did, done this host record, um, you know, which as much as they may deny it, it I mean, it, it is the sequel to the host album. I mean. Uh, you know, I, I saw a bunch of fucking nerds in their on their Facebook page when that album was first announced, like trying to correct people. This was inspired by the goth scene of the eighties. Yes, it was, but it still makes no difference that it's it's very it's, much in that style. You fucking moron! It's exact. It's exactly like a a um fucking sequel to host yeah like 100 I mean, yeah they, they wouldn't call the band host <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like dude that it, it, it's right there in front of you they called it host for a reason yeah and it, um and that album actually i would say that there's certain songs in obsidian that sound more like 80s goth music than host does like if you listen to yeah. the song um uh what's that song on obsidian uh ghosts yeah, well, ghost. I would say "Ghosts" and "Hope Dies Young" both. Hope, yeah. Hope, Hope Dies Young is probably my favorite song on on the album. And so, my my observation on of this record, and I, I have, I did say it when I reviewed the album as well. This was one of the only albums I felt like they compromised a little bit. Um, it felt to me like they wanted to write a record worth of tracks in the vein of "Hope Dies Young" and "Ghosts," because when I hear those songs, like. I think what what always resonates with me when I listen to any band is if I hear music that is an authentic expression of how the artist was feeling at the time, and it's hard to describe what characteristics or trademarks a song like that has to have, but you know it when you hear it, right? We spoke about our, our friend Nas earlier. You know, when you listen to just about everything or every single moment on Melano, I mean, that is that is a genuine, like, authentic expression of how, of how he was feeling. Reem, same deal. Blasphemer and I, when we spoke about it, you know, he, um, you know, he that is he literally almost used those exact words without me, you know, mentioning anything. On this album, I, I feel like, uh, you know, a song like Fall From Grace is 
I feel like there's a bit of compromise in there and it shows. They, I, I think they were nervous about doing another swerve on fans, you know, especially with how well Medusa uh, was uh, was received. Yeah, I mean, Medusa was received extremely well, as was the Plague Within. Yeah. I think they were nervous about doing that swerve. And so they were like, let's keep in some of the, the death metal stuff. But let's put in some of the the you know more sort of gothic rock you know gothic doom stuff that we that we like. Yeah, I would not be surprised if that gothic doom stuff makes up the vast majority of their next record. Yeah, I would imagine so. I mean, um, yeah, I would agree with you because like Fall from Grace, I felt like was a pretty pretty weak sing- single, and then Ghost was a great single. So you can tell like yeah, um, because particularly when you compare to like the Plague Within, which is like one of my favorite paradise lost albums of all time. Like this album is up there. Like, and when you hear like, you know, flesh from bone or, you know, beneath broken earth or these types of doom songs on that album, like they just crush, you know what I mean? Like it has Mm -hmm. a feeling of like where I feel like, um, fall from grace definitely didn't, didn't crush in the same way. You know what I mean? Like that. And I feel like, uh, maybe, um, maybe, uh, Gregor also decided to kind of channel some of that and more into Strigoi, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, as, as opposed to, uh, uh, but I don't know, you know, we'll see. I would, well, that, I, I, I'm with you on that actually, because I, I think that when you are, when you, when you're spinning as many plates as they do, creatively speaking, you know, and what, what, how, how do you decide what's a Strigoi riff or what's a, I mean, you know, when he was doing Valenfire, how do you decide what's a Valenfire riff? And obviously, we, you know, we've got Nick Holmes doing uh, Bloodbath. You know, how do you decide it's a it's a Bloodbath riff? Not that I don't think Nick really writes music no, much. I don't think he does. But, you know, with Greg Orr, there's definitely that, right? You know, he's got a lot of stuff that he's doing. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like Obsidian sounds like a, a confused record. And I think it's telling that there's only really two songs that they play live off that record with any great degree of consistency, even though it's their new album. And that's Devil Embraced and Ghosts. Yeah. Um, they don't really play anything else off the album. And that to me typically is a, is a telltale sign, right? If a band is is touring an album and very, very rarely play any songs off the album, Yes, they've got a very lengthy back catalog, and there's you know there's songs clearly that the uh, you know that the fans are interested in hearing, but um, you would at least expect three, maybe four songs, and you would certainly expect that they would play the the lead single of the record, which is Fall from Grace. Yeah, um, and yet interestingly, they they in terms of what the rest of the setlist seems to contain, if you go, you can I mean if you look at it on setlist FM, you can see the enemy. Uh, as I die, uh, Sage's words. The last time they kind of seem to err towards that gothic rock, gothic doom sound that we just intimated. The next album would probably um, lean towards sound wise. Yeah, when I saw them, it was for Medusa. They didn't play a huge amount off of Medusa, like for that show, but um, they did play like, like Beneath Broken Earth from you know. Plague within, and Plague they, within, yeah, yeah, and I mean, so they still had like some of those doom. They, they also played gothic, you know. They played stuff from. They seemed to try to fit as much from ev- from everything as possible. So they played, you know, stuff from almost every album when I saw them, which I think maybe except with the exception of Host, and I don't know if they play. I don't, I don't think they played anything off of um, Shades of God, but they played like a lot of stuff like off different albums. So 
Well, they would have, they would have almost certainly have played as I die. They never they never don't play that. That's kind yeah. of become like their angel of death. Yeah, Even I though think... I, I I personally think the best song on Shades of God, and maybe maybe we should do this. I, I don't want to hijack your podcast, but maybe we should maybe we should select our favorite songs of every of every album, and I'll just give the spoiler on Shades of God. Your hand in mine, to me, is just a masterpiece. Raises the hair on the back of my neck. It is absolutely everything. Every single thing I love about Paradise Lost rolled into one, from the music to the melody to the lyrics. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, I mean, let's yeah, we can go through. Um, let's see. Well, Lost Paradise. Looking at it, the problem with this album is that I'll be honest, it's one of the ones I've listened to the least. You know what I mean? Out of their out Same. of their catalog, and so I'm kind of thinking like, I can't. I'm not sure exactly what song I would pick on here. Like, um, to be honest, maybe like the Paradise Lost or Riding Misery, but. Uh, yeah, it would probably for me. It would be our savior, or it would be um, rotting misery. But it, but I I'm completely with you. I I think the the trouble is that is having discovered them on Gothic. Gothic was just such a vast step up from this album that going back to it, it, it just feels odd. It, it's it's a bit like when you you know let's take another English band. You get you say you discover Napalm Death on Fear Emptiness Despair, and then you go and listen to Scum. Right. It's the same. It's the same thing. Lost Paradise made a big impression when it came out, and Scum made a massive impression when it when it came out. I can respect it for the impact that it that it made. It doesn't necessarily mean that I enjoy listening to it. Right. Well, one thing that that we should probably say is that the Paradise Lost demos and this and this first album made a huge impact even on the Norwegian black metal scene because I've heard um, like Varg has said that he used to fucking listen to their demo tapes like like constantly when he was like. You know, like writing for a lot of the person albums. Like the he's talking about Paradise Lost, the Anathema demos, and uh, the Cure's Disintegration and Bathory. Those well, are the like, interesting those are like thing big is things. <laughs> that means that by association, all of those bands are now cancelled. Mm-hmm. So, and actually, interestingly enough, that means this podcast is now cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like, and I've heard. I think it's hard to underestimate though the massive impact that Lost Paradise and Gothic had on the on the on the metal scene. Like particularly Gothic. Like Gothic probably was one of the most important albums to come out. I know a lot of people don't realize that, but there's so many bands from back in the nineties who talk about how much they love how much they love Paradise Lost. Yeah. Like all these, you know, I would say that all the Greek black metal scene was obviously super influenced by them. I mean, look at Septic Flesh, you know, I know that's that Paradise Lost is like Seth from Septic Flush's favorite out favorite band. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that it's. I think it's definitely underestimated how huge Gothic was for the '90s metal scene. You know? Yeah, yeah. For 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 better or for worse, because there were so many bands that came out in that style after they released this. You know, and 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 much of it garbage. You know, things like Theater of Tragedy. Um, I mean, those first two Theater of Tragedy records. You know, that, that's. I, I like I'm not an elitist I'm not a gatekeeper by any stretch of the imagination if you like that sort of thing you like that sort of thing but it it's you know men wearing cravats and um, <laughs> you know fucking crushed silk blouses basically I, it just it just doesn't it doesn't it just I just I do not enjoy it I don't identify with it <laughs> I don't think it has a place in at least the music I'm down with um so yeah I mean but but 
again, in terms of impact, so Catatonia would not have existed without Paradise Lost. Um, you know, there's there's so many bands that would not have probably not have existed, or certainly not have existed in the form that they ended up existing in, had it, had it not been for Paradise Lost and particularly Gothic. Yeah. And I mean, it's an album that has. If you have to pick a song on on this record, this is really hard. <laughs> it's, it's fucking next to impossible. I mean, Gothic yeah. is incredible. Dead yeah. Emotion is incredible. Rapture is fucking amazing. Yeah. I, I would say if you put a gun to my head, then I would choose Eternal as my favorite song on this album. Yeah, I was gonna say like Gothic, Rapture, and Eternal are my three favorites. I would say, mm. um, and yeah, probably Eternal is the, the one I like the best. I mean, and Falling Forever is amazing. Yeah, probably I would say Eternal as well. Like either Gothic or Eternal would probably be the. the but you know what's crazy to two. me? Like when I read the lyrics to a song like Eternal, how fucking miserable of a of a young man must Nick Holmes have been? Because <laughs> he's, you know, he was in his what early twenties when this came out. Like I think he he might have been. As young as twenty or twenty-one, I, I I speak in a correction on that. But then you read a lyric like "cry at all that remains, chosen words fail to sustain the wisdom of powers heard in dismal thoughts, seemingly absurd." I mean, <laughs> firstly, it's such it's such eloquently written lyrics. Yeah. It's 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 genuinely it's it's beautifully written. It has this great like from a vocalist perspective, it has this great natural rhythm. When he's doing those vocals, he sounds fucking incredible. Yeah, but I mean, they are morose. Absolutely morose. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I would say that that's one of the great things about Gothic is just like the lyrics are on this fucking high, high level. You know, it's like, um, yeah, they're very poetic. They, they kind of remind me in some cases sometimes of the lyrics for um, The Cure's Pornography, which is my favorite Cure album. Mm. Um, with, with the level of darkness and fucking just <laughs> miserableness, you know, it's like, and it's funny because it's like, it's a different kind of darkness, like the kind of darkness of, you know, um, something like Paradise Lost, like, you know, or, or you say something like the Cure's Pornography or, you know, I don't know, My Dying Bride or something. It's funny because I, I'm down for this kind of stuff where it's fucking dark, it's miserable, it's like fucking... Uh, but it's like miserable in a different way than say, um, I don't know, some whiny fucking emo band. You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah, whole different. Yeah. It's and it's hard. Maybe sometimes people don't understand there's a difference between those two things. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know what? What I think as I'm as I'm pondering the you know the, the likes of Theater of Tragedy and a lot of the bands that you know took their lead from Paradise Lost and you know descended into the you know Victorian era metal crowd. The thing about Paradise Lost's misery was that it it it's there's a relatability to it, which is which is why I think it resonated so so much with me. Why it resonates so much with a lot of people, um, you know. Again, you if we when we move on to Shades of God, you know, you read a a lyric like on Daylight Torn, "Your Christ is failing you like poison running through." Does God know what to do as I tell the harbored truth? While while grief lies at your door for shreds of flesh you've torn, the pain comes back for me too vague for you to see. And it's like, I mean, not to not, not to say I was a miserable fuck when I was young, because I wasn't. But you know, you you uh, the, he seems to touch on, or he seems to have a way of presenting his lyrics so that if you are feeling down or you are having, you know, going, going through a rough spell, the lyrics are written in an ambiguous enough way that you can make it meaningful to yourself, but that it, you know, again, it kind of, it really resonates. 
I don't know if I'm if I'm just talking shit now, but it, it's. I know you mean, and and I think that there's a type of darkness like this where it's it you know you can listen to when you're in a in a dark mood, um, like and uh, it has like this kind of effect of actually like bringing you some type of weird power, you know, like there's a yeah, power in and yeah, there's like a power in certain types of negativity that. There's other bands where it just seems like wallowing in it, where if a band like Paradise Lost or My Dang Bride, there's almost like a cathartic like um, power in the type of darkness that they that they That's, transmit. That is one thousand percent spot on. I think is is it, it was it was done in a way that's relatable but also cathartic, uh, and and actually through that through the catharsis there there's a degree of empowerment as well. Yeah, because it's like I can process this negative shit and I can get over it and I can you know push forward with my life. Yeah, there's there's um, a there's real power in embracing a certain type of darkness like that is part of what I think why certain people really respond to this type of doom or like funeral doom stuff like evoking or you know shape, shape of despair and stuff like that where it's like it's 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 not like this kind of like pathetic whining and whinging type of music you know what i mean it's like a kind of like profound obsidian black darkness that you kind of like can like it's like an armor or something you know what i mean it's like a whole diff different type of vibe and like with a band like theater tragedy for example what makes theater tragedy extremely like annoying is the stupid fucking like Shakespearean lyrics of their first album. Yeah. Like I actually kind of like their second album, the Velvet Darkness You Fear or whatever. That's like with the only album of theirs that I that I kind of like. Um, I like the but, album cover of it. Yeah, the, that album, cover, about it. <laughs> the album cover is great. I, I like a lot of the music on it, but I would say that that first theater tragedy album in particular is fucking annoying. And then, yeah, I mean, most of the other stuff's horrible and there's like a lot of those types of horrible type of bands like that you know what i mean like i mean can you remember crematory, crematory. i mean you talk about like the worst of the worst like mixing in pop music with gothic you know gothic doom just cringe worthy it's so unbelievably bad and the thing about um, the, the female vocals like that that um paradise lost using gothic that i think they real um Influence from that is when you listen to to Megatherion by yeah. uh, by um, Celtic Frost, and they have the female vocals in just like certain parts. So it's just they're using it like here and there. Like I think a lot of these bands were very influenced by Celtic Frost. Was like the number one influence on all these bands, like um, you know, and the Pandemonium and to Megatherion because it's like um, just like the bass is solid, fucking, you know doom metal you know whatever but then you have like these little elements of kind of experimental stuff going on on top mm. and i think that's where that influence came from and then a lot yeah. of these bands took that and then made their whole sound based off of that you know and then that eventually shifted into the fucking horrible like gothic like symphonic power metal bullshit of like nightwish or something you know what i mean like, yeah which, yeah, is, yeah. which is horrible but um, well, which which should be which should be abolished and banned from the scene. Yeah, <laughs> and then, should, should, should no longer should by law not be called referred to as metal anymore. Yeah, and then on Shades of God, I would say Your Hand in Mine is my favorite song. Yeah, incredible song. I'd say a, a close runner-up would be uh, Daylight Torn. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, and I love I do love the opening Mortals Watch today. Oh, amazing. Yeah. But yeah, 
your hand and mine is definitely if, if somebody needed to hear one song from Shades of God, it'd be that song. <laughs> yeah. No, now, I, I absolutely agree with you. And then we got Icon, and this one this one is packed with fucking with bangers. Like this whole album is a bunch of bangers, but um for me, I would actually say the opening, Ember's Fire. Like whenever I hear that opening keyboard part on this song, it just fucking that's like, oh yeah, this is like the best feeling. You know, I just love this song. <laughs> Yeah, that's so. That's a tough one because, like, for me, the record starts off strong and then it kind of shifts gears and it gets even stronger because, from track four, "Joys of the Emptiness," it just fucking it it's on a, a whole different level because you've got "Joys of Emptiness," you've got "Dying Freedom," you've got "Widow," "Colossal Rains," "Weeping Words." I mean, those songs are all ten out of ten masterpieces. Um, True and belief. then I think like, True Belief is fantastic. Shallow Seasons, maybe a little dis- more disposable. And you've got Christendom, which is fucking genius. Yeah. And, you know, then you've got the end of the, the, the record. I would say if I had to choose, it's so tough. I would probably go for Dying Freedom. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Then it's even harder for Draconian Times. <laughs> Like this is like a real hard hard album to pick a song, one song from. <laughs> um, well, Draconian Times, just as a, as a side note, uh, probably one of my favorite album covers of all time. I just think one of the most beautiful, evocative, thought provoking album covers I've ever seen. Yeah, and that was done. Um, oh, what's that guy's name? He's the guy who did a lot of the all the covers for Sandman. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Um, let me see. I'm sure it, say, it says on here. Um, where let's see um oh no okay it's different i thought it was the guy who did the sandman Uh, i guess i got that confused with someone else i totally okay interesting so actually the artwork was done by it's um, an archival print of done by holly oh, no, 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 sorry i'm i'm a moron I'm, I'm just looking at the first thing that i see on google yeah the holly warburton and i always for some reason thought that it was done by the guy who did that uh did the cover for um the, the covers for uh what do you call it for sandman but i guess i was wrong it just it looks so much like like his style yeah, it, i guess it, well i i, I was oh, gonna say i can i can see why you would have thought that and it's because he did the art for Shades of God. That's what I'm going to mix up. Dave McKean. Gotcha. He did all the art for Shades of God. And he did. Um, he also did the the cover for um, As the Flower Withers by uh, by uh, My Dying Bride. Mm. So I think maybe I got him confused. <laughs> but yeah, this cover for Drac- uh, Draconian Times is a fucking amazing cover. And it is in his style. So I'm sure mm. there's influence there. <laughs> Yeah, so now choosing a song on yeah, as you say, very, very hard. Like I love I love obviously like Enchantment is one of my favorite songs. Like I love that song. Um and Shadow Kings is another really great song. Mm. Um it's really hard. I think the one that I you know, the one I turned to most, like the, the probably one, actually, for, frankly, probably one of the Paradise Lost songs I've listened to most would be Forever Failure. Uh, I think that's absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, that's a great song. 
runner-ups would be Enchantment um, and Shades of God. I think the song Shades of God is really, really cool, especially the ending of the song. It's got just such a fucking cool riff at the end of the song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Forever Failure, I think, would be my pick. Yeah. I probably, if I had, if somebody put a gun in my head, I'd probably say Enchantment just because, yeah. That's one of the songs. Every time I put on the album, and it's like, it's kind of like the song icon where it's like, it just starts off the album and really like gets me excited. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm. Um. So, so one second. So, one second, I'm going to be uh, honest, is not one of my favorite Paradise Lost albums, to be honest. Like, I probably like Host more than this album, but. Yeah, I, I would I would prefer. If I had to rank the Paradise Lost records, I would put Host above this too. Yeah. Um, but there are some great tracks on this album, though. Yeah. Um, I, I do like, the, it's a single, but I really like the song as Say Just Words. Yeah. That's probably, that's probably the song I'd pick on that album. Interesting. I would pick uh I would pick the sufferer and then I would say my runner up would be Lydia. Neither of which sadly they play live very often. Uh they they used to do the sufferer but they don't really do it anymore but that that to me is an incredible song. Yeah, it's a good one. Blood of Another is also a good song. Yeah. Um yeah, then we got Host and uh, this one's the controversial host. I mean, people lost their fucking minds when this album came out. Like, I know people that, I mean, I'd say the response on, amongst folks that I knew that did like the band when this record came out was more extreme than when Load came out. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I know an awful lot of people that when Load came out, they sold every single Metallica piece of merch, poster, flag every cd everything they got rid of they disavowed the band completely yeah which i think was a bit you know overwrought because i, I actually don't think load is a bad record no but then, uh but yeah. host it was like you know people literally felt like they'd been you know they, they'd been uh, slapped in the face you know like someone would fucking take a piss in their uh in their cornflakes right well that was, this is the thing that happened to both paradise last and also moonspell and it's like yeah the Moonspell was even more stupid because they never, in my my view, they never really changed their sound that much. At, in a way, like they've always they've they've definitely shifted their sound, but you can always tell it's Moonspell. And it's the same thing with Paradise mm. Lost. Like, yeah, this album isn't a metal album like say their older stuff. But if you go from one second to this, it makes perfect sense. I mean, one second mm. is almost more extreme from going from Draconian Times in one second is you know pretty different, you know, and um like. This album, you know, it it just kind of builds, kind of continues from there. And I mean, I guess maybe part of it too is, you know, I mean, but and they already cut their hair with one second. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, so I feel like this album gets a lot of shit. And nowadays people like it more. And um, maybe that's like, I feel like, but I feel like this is just a, a general sign of the metal scene at the time, around that time. Yeah. Late 90s, early 2000s. Um, well, can you I, remember what a big deal people made out of the fact that they'd cut their hair? It was the same with Metallica. Yeah. They cut their hair and people freaked out. It was like, but guys, you listen to Pantera. Phil Anselmo cut his hair. You yeah. know, he has no hair. Yeah. Why is it such a big deal that these guys have cut their hair? And I mean, you know, maybe with Metallica, you could say, okay, well, they're wearing makeup and stuff like that. I can understand why people got their, you know, got a little upset about that. But then again, you also can't be giving them shit about wearing makeup, but you you also listen to Kiss. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. It's like it was, was kind of it's kind of like when there's um, 
I feel like the metal scene back then, more so than today, was a little bit more like I don't know. There's some, there's like some idiocy going on. You know what I mean? Like whereas, like, uh, kind of like so tribal to the point where it's like you make one little change and all of a sudden, like you're like fucking shit. You know what I mean? Or like, mm-hmm. yeah, there was no either and they also had like this whole idea of like you either have long hair or you have no hair there's no in between like if you have short hair you can't be metal you know what i mean like there's a lot yeah. of kind of mindset going on which thankfully well, dude i mean that that, that existed in the uk when i when i first came here i remember um you know because i had long hair up until 2000 and yeah 2000 actually like new Year, new year's day 2000 i i cut my hair off um because i woke up with it all over the place i was like can i can't stand this shit i don't know how people survive with it for years <laughs> i'd had it for about uh for about three years yeah and then um you know so when i when i when i was in the uk i was working a job in the city i was very clean cut so you know you you turn up to a metal show and it's like in the old days people used to queue down the this, this particular alleyway uh to get into the london astoria and people literally look at you like you're a fucking narc you know, yeah. <laughs> like they, they they would look at you like you're an undercover cop, or you 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 you're trying to sell them Bibles or something like that. And I did I I did think to myself at the time because you know I was already writing for music websites, and you know I knew a lot of the people that you know I was I was going to see. I thought to myself like you fucking stupid dickheads, like if you if you you have not a been into the scene anywhere near as long as I've been. Secondly, you you don't know anywhere near as many people in the scene as I do. Right, <laughs> and you're staring at me like I'm some fucking scuff law that shouldn't be there. I'm some I'm some low life. Well, actually, not low life, but I'm some, uh, you know, I'm some uh, some outsider that shouldn't be at the, you know, shouldn't be at the show. And that's yeah. definitely changed an awful lot. Like, yeah, I I would say it it it's you you see it manifest nowadays in the way that people react to to bands when they do different things, right? Like like the metal scene as a whole is way way more open minded way more open-minded like a band could do paradise lost could do legitimately do a record like host now and people would go this is fucking cool there'd be people that don't like it but it wouldn't be that same visceral reaction where they where they almost they hated to a point of taking it personally yeah. like they used like there was when this album first came out yeah that was how it was back then and like um yeah i mean i only had long hair for a couple of years because i fucking hated having long hair you know what i yeah. mean but like i remember when early before I grow grow my hair, I always had this kind of like weird like insecurity where I go if I go to a fucking metal show, are they gonna like, you know, like you're gonna be treated like like a fucking you know like you don't belong or something just because you don't have long hair or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that was definitely yeah. something that happened back then. And then you know you get older and a I just don't give a fuck. And b like nowadays it's not the same. Like you know, like not like you have people who have short hair who are in very respected you know black metal bands and stuff like that you know what i mean it's like look at the guy from misfirming or something you know what i mean like yeah yeah it's not it's not a requirement anymore to have long hair to be a real metal guy you know well it's also because i think the 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 a the average age of the fans have has increased you know like there's certain bands you go to their shows i remember seeing acrococca about four years ago and i pointed out to um to Paige, who's, who's quite a bit younger than me, uh, my my fiance, as like you're probably the youngest person year by I'd say <laughs> at least five to six years. Yes. <laughs> so, and- so that that that's definitely happened. I think also a lot of those those fair you know, a lot a lot of the people that that had that attitude they they were passers by. You know, you know they 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 they're 
they probably I would I would I'd say it'd be an interesting experiment to try and track down you know a sample size of a hundred of them right now and say you still into methyl and I guarantee you. 80% of those people would say, oh, no, you know, I used to be into that stuff, but not anymore. Yeah. Uh, I've grown up now. I, I, think- I, I, I think that they were, they, were, they were travelers. They were never really, they were never really serious about it. They never connected with it other than the fact that they themselves are probably fuck-ups and outsiders. And they, you know, the metal scene is generally, in spite of what we've just said, been quite accepting of, of you know, people that sit on the fringes of society. Uh, and they felt like they were like they they felt somewhere they could be safe and they could belong. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of aspects to why this kind of stuff happens, but there's certain bands where it's just like annoying, like particularly getting into, say, Paradise Lost, Moonspell, Danzig, stuff like this in the early 2000s. And you're like, this shit's good. Like, why are all these people just like hating on these bands for making an album that didn't sound like their other albums? You know what I mean? Like. And that was the case with Host. Like I always thought this album was great, and um, and maybe two coming into Paradise Lost in the early two thousands when they were releasing like Paradise Lost and whatnot. Like um, when they're already kind of like shifting back into more metal direction. Like I kind of just look at their career as like, okay, this is a band that does different stuff every time. Kind of like mm. Catatonia, kind of like Moonspell. There's certain bands where you just have to accept the fact that. They're going to do whatever they want to do. And you're either down with that or you're not, you know? And I think yeah. that's the ending of Danzig, you know, it's like, and I feel like I respect, personally, I respect that. I mean, I'm coming from a guy who's like one of my favorite artists of all time is David Bowie. Like, I mean, of course I'm going to be, you know, my two of my favorite artists of all time is David Bowie and Danzig. You know, I'm pretty down mm. with people who do what the fuck they want. You know what I mean? Who don't, who don't <laughs> like sticking in, in one thing. Well, Danzig was, you know, you, you and I have spoken about him before. I remember when Black As the Devil came out, I heard Sacrifice on MTV and I was like, this is fucking fantastic. You know, and I, I'd gotten into Danzig on, you know, the first three records. Yeah. So it wasn't like it like I discovered him the first time and I was like, yeah, he sounds a bit like Nine Inch Nails. I just liked the direction he had taken. I thought I thought the song sounded cool. And then I got the album. The album was a record that, you know, you needed to listen to end to end, I felt, to, for it to make sense. But when it made sense, when it clicked, it's a fucking great record. And it's still a great record to this day. Yeah. And 666 Satan's Child, just to reiterate for anybody that hasn't heard that episode yet, I still think is a fucking masterpiece as well. Yeah, definitely. And um, let's see, with Host, um, I would say, in all honesty, is probably one of my favorite songs on here. Um, what What would you say for Host? Mine is, I mean, it, it's it's no no question. It's Harbor. Harbor would be in my top five favorite Paradise Lost songs of all time. It, it's, I think it's incredible. Yeah, it's a great song. There's a lot, there's a lot of really great songs in this album. Like, and I love the first song so much is lost. It's a really good one as well. Yeah, Permanent great solution. Team. Yeah. Um, and then then we have Believe in Nothing, which um like uh and of course this album they 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 reissued like with more guitars like in the remaster or whatever yeah but um and this album i will admit is one that i haven't listened to as much as some of the other ones um so i would i'll be honest i'll have a hard time picking one song with this album because uh because I don't, I don't know it as well. You know, what I mean, like I don't remember what each individual song sounds like. I'd have to listen to it like right yeah. now and try to figure it. Like, well, the song you're most likely going to remember is Illumination because they did a music video for that. Yeah. Um, and th- I would probably, 
I'd pick either Illumination or I would pick Never Again. And if you put a gun to my head, I'd I'd say probably Never Again would be my favorite song. Um, yeah. I I you know as we've said, it's not a it's not their best, but it's one of those albums where even when they're not at their best, if somebody put this on in the background, no one's very few people are going to object to it. And to me, that's the mark of why they are, in my view, such an elite band. They, you know, they have, even when they have an off day, they're still one of the best bands on the on the face of the earth. Yeah, I think the only thing that would have uh, that could that could have stuck in the craw of fans more had would have been given the album cover being covered in bees as if the Wicker Man had been released around the time <laughs> that this came out. And they started the album with a sample. No, not the bees. Not the bees. And <laughs> <laughs> we got uh... Yeah, so I, I would say ne- never again close runner up illumination. Then we got symbol of life, which I feel like is definitely a step up from from Believe in Nothing. Um, I definitely listen to this one more than Believe Is Not Believe in Nothing. Um, you have like the single Erased, which is actually a really quality, like kind of like metal, you know, goth goth metal type of song. You know, with like mm. the female vocal, I really like that song. Um, even though it's it sounds like a song you could hear in a goth club, you know, but I, I like that. Um, well, as as are many of the songs on this record, and I remember yeah. when it first came out, Metal Hammer, you know, the biggest fucking steaming rag of shit this side of Kerrang was was um comparing this album to Rammstein which I just thought was <laughs> the most fucking ridiculous thing I'd ever heard in my entire definitely life does, definitely does not sound like Rammstein that's for sure fuck no no not 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 at all but I I I must admit I absolutely loved this record when it came out and maybe part of the reason I loved it is because I also saw them live very shortly after it came out so I got to see a lot of these songs performed live um, one of the songs I got to see performed live, and I, I wish they would include it as a regular in their set. I actually mentioned it to both Aaron and to Greg. They both love the song. I don't know why they don't play it. Is Pray Nightfall? Yeah, that's the one um, I was going to say. That oh my god, that, that's my favorite song in the album. Yeah, yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean, it's it's like you know, for it was such a it, it it's such an affecting song that really kind of plays to all of their strengths. But through the prism of this different sound that they were going for at the time, um, yeah. And actually, I would another thing I would mention, you know, all of all of these albums uh, had just absolutely incredible production, like really lush. I mean, they still sound if you listen to it on a on a high end system, it, they still sound fantastic, like yeah. really, really like big, vast soundscapes, nothing overly compressed, nothing overly digital. Um, and uh, I mean, Symbol of Life is amongst the very best. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and Pray Nightfall is the one I would pick as well. I do like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of really good songs in this album. Like, and to me, like that's that's the beginning of like them moving towards this new direction. Which mm. I would say, Paradise Lost next album is the is almost like um a, is a very much a sequel album to Symbol of Life, but it's also pushing into a little bit different. A little bit more into the, the newer direction that they would go in within Requiem, and I feel like mm. this album, like for example, I will say I love the cover for this album that Seth from Septic Flush did for them. Yeah, I think it's amazing. And um, this song, uh, my favorite. I love um, Gray, and I love Forever After. Those are two of my favorite songs in the album. So for me, Don't Belong is probably one of my favorites and uh, i love accept the pain as well yeah 
That's a great song. But yeah, I think bullet or oh, not bullet to the head, gun to the head. Um, don't don't belong would be would be my my tune there. And I again I agree with you. I think the cover is incredible. Yeah, the uh, yeah this is a really great album and and um and then of course like I said it goes into in Requiem which also has a another amazing cover from Seth Zero, mm. which I love. I love this with like the kind of like dark angel type of thing on the cover and um this album like literally like this is this is one that i have a real hard time picking because it's fucking every song is incredible basically (laughs) yeah this this was very much you know we we, we've been talking about great songs off these other albums but you know those albums had they had their weaker moments you know which we which we can all admit but this this was to me like you know the 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 gears again shifted dramatically yeah like in terms of quality yeah i i completely agree with you i don't really think there's a there's a weak moment on this record no i feel like this would be where you know where i would say the best album that overall that they've done since host or since draconian times even like it's like kicks off a new era for the band that it's which has been really strong and um i mean if i had to pick the songs that I really like a lot in this album is Never for the Damned, Ash and Debris, and Beneath Black Skies. Those are probably like my three favorite songs on here. I'd add that. I'd add to that Your Own Reality. I think Your Own Reality is probably my favorite song on the album. Yeah, that's great. And the CD, the CD I have has like a bonus version of that song. That's like a, uh, in, like it's like a symphonic version, which is really cool as well. Of Your Own Reality. Yeah. Yeah, oh shit! Cool. I need to check that out. I, you know what I love the most about that song? I love the the slight kind of um, the tonal shift when he goes from uh, "Never Disguise All the Tears That I've Cried" and then he then he like the song gets slightly heavier and he says, "I took a trip inside and weary, lay injustice on your head," and then it goes straight back into the like the main sort of chorus piece of the of the song um that i i really to me that's the kind of the hook of the of, of the song for me and it's it's such a great way to end the record as well it's such a strong such a high point to end the album off on yeah. um it, it's absolutely fantastic yeah that's an that's an incredible incredible song and yeah you can it's one of those songs where you can hear it in your head just like just thinking about it you know what i mean because it's so like catchy in a way but it's yeah yeah but not in the way that most people also think. This album, I've always thought, has been one of the high points for me in terms of Nick's uh, vocal performance. I mean, his vocals are generally always good, whether he does death metal vocals, whether he does his clean singing. But there's something about his delivery on this album that, to me, is just a little bit more urgent and a little bit more passionate. Um, and I mean, I, you know, you you get where they were coming from. Like a lot of people had written them off as a band. You know, I, I remember when I saw them. I can't remember who they opened for. When I saw them um, on that symbol of life tour, but it wasn't like a band that was, you know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a band that you would deem them worthy of them uh, or of them opening up for, right? You know, it's, it was a, it was a band that I mean, I, I, again, it, it, it's telling that I can't even remember who it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I think they'd I think they'd been written off by a lot of people, and they probably felt that to a degree, and they felt like they needed to come out with something that cemented and and reminded people who they were and yeah they, they really succeeded with this album yeah and though it's telling that the metal scene didn't really realize that 
uh, that they had come back fully until I think Tragic Idol. That was the first album where I felt like people were like, "Oh, they're actually playing metal again." You know what I mean? Like it took like two albums, like because yeah. The next album, Faith Divides, is Death Unites. This is one of my favorites because of the just the dark fucking. It has such a dark like um, feeling to the album, and the production is maybe is a bit more raw. I would say like mm. it's it's a little bit more. It's not quite as clear as say in the Requiem, but it, it's thick and like really has this like oppressive feeling in my opinion. And um So one one side comment that I'll make here, as much as I've praised Paradise Lost, let's let's balance it out with a little bit of shade. They they are the band that produce possibly the best music with the worst music videos I have ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> and Faith Divides Us, Death Unites Us, whoever did that music video. It's horrible. Deserves to be made to do military burpees and, until they puke. <laughs> until, they, <laughs> until they die of exhaustion. Yeah. It's so fucking bad. For anyone who's seen it, it's, it's basically just a bunch of fucking riff <laughs> flotsam and jetsam of society sitting on a, a wooden stool crying yeah. for, for four and a half minutes it's horrible it's so bad and then yeah. like the, the crying turns to wailing and screaming and gnashing of teeth it's just jesus then, christ it's bad then they have another video that's horrible where like somebody getting their hair cut i don't remember which which song that is but that's a horrible video too like, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to look it up now. Um, but yeah, like, no, faith, faith divides us, death unites us. Incredible song, but Jesus, the music video is terrible. Yeah, yeah, they have another video. I don't remember, it might have been for I forget which video album it was, but it's like this lady getting her hair sheared off, and I think it's supposed to be like representative of like the Holocaust or something, but it's just it's horrible. <laughs> but uh, That's on this album, one. my favorite songs is um. Uh, as horizons end and i remain and um probably frailty those are i don't know living of scars is another one i love and this album like i love it has like talking about the darkness that 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 has a power to like i remain is like very strong like tear me down and break me i remain you know it's like it's like um it's like no matter how much fucking life sucks like you're just gonna keep on keep on going that's the kind of vibe that that song has you know what i mean yeah, I, I agree. I would say As Horizons End is probably my my number one. Yeah. Faith Divides Us, De- Death Unites Us is is my is my runner up. But that empowerment you just spoke about now, As Horizons End to me, is it's a genuinely powerful song. It's a you know, it it's a song that kind of it you know gives you a real boost you know, if you when you're listening to it. Yeah. That's definitely one of the best. Yeah. And I also like I said, I love Living with Scars. It's a great song too. It kind of has like yeah. um almost like a death metal riff in a way, but it's like turned into to something different. And that's, yeah. I think that's the first album where he started bringing back some of the more like death metal ish vocals, not quite as full front full throttle as played within, but he started getting a bit more rough with the vocals on that album. Yeah. But then of course the, the next one is a tragic idol, which um, was the album that I think, got them back onto like where people were like, Oh, Paradise Lost is good again type of type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Good good for two albums. And um this album like is so fucking it's so good. Like uh it's another one that's like hard to say 
Exactly, but um, honesty and death is one that always that always solitary one crucify. I don't know, man. It's hard. Like fear and impending hell is really good. The song Tragic Idol is really good. Um, yeah, for me, the 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 real one two combo. I mean, every every song is great, but the the Mike Tyson, you know, right uppercut, left hook is Tragic Idol and worth fighting for. They they yeah. they're sequential, and um, yeah, both of those songs are just again Paradise Lost doing what they do exceedingly well. Um, you know, incredible hook, really memorable melody. Really, um, you know, uh, well-written, well-crafted lyrics, and they just put it all together in, you know, one package that is just fucking phenomenal. Yeah. I would say if a gun to my head, I would probably say Tragic Idol. If you have to listen to one song in this album, it's probably be just the title song, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, um, of course, then Plague Within, like I said earlier, is um, one of my favorites and my top, top tier Paradise Lost albums. Like mm. this is probably one of the ones I've listened to the most. Like this is one that this is one of my go-to Paradise Lost albums that I listen to like all the time, and I think that might partially be because it's one of the albums that even uh, that that has elements to it that remind me of like black metal. Like I said, like Flesh from Bone, for example, like feels almost like um it could go like I've often on my radio show played like unscapped into flesh from bone into some other like orthodox black metal like it has that kind of feeling to it you know what i mean yeah um yeah it's definitely a record that can sit well with pretty much any style of extreme music um and 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 hold its own while still being being very distinctly paradise lost yeah Uh, and i would agree with you you know if we had to do like a tiering system this would be s tier without a shadow of a doubt yeah and i mean you have something like no hope in sight which is amazing way to open it but yeah one of my f- absolute favorite songs in this album is "Return to the Sun." Oh, like, I was just about to say that that that's my pick as well. I I love it. It sounds like the fucking. It's like their version of of a truly apocalyptic song. Yeah. Um. You know the way it starts with that kind of slow sort of orchestral build up, and then the song starts, and then it, it has this incredible, incredible um chorus, um, which he kind of juxtaposes with a clean singing just yeah fucking fantastic yeah that's this is an incredible it feels like it's definitely an ender like you get to that end of that song and you feel like this it's like this kind of majesty and and darkness and like fucking like yeah the world's ended and it's amazing yeah so that would be definitely the number one um weirdly enough again a song they don't really ever play live which i i find bizarre because it's it, it's a song i think would work in a live setting really really well yeah i would agree like it's an amazing amazing song and it's funny because um there we go yeah here we go so so medusa the next album after this this is another one of my favorites as well i love this album and i particularly love the lyrics because the talking about apocalyptic the lyrics of this album are extremely apocalyptic like it's mm. very much like a Oh, it's like so much about like the death of mankind and like some type of like ancient thing like coming, you know, like it's very, very strong lyrics. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, I'm trying to think. It's funny because the extended version of this album that that's on like the digital platforms is actually has one of the better songs on it, which is Symbolic Virtue, which I really like a lot. 
Well, it it has my favorite song on the album, and I was actually double checking it now because I was I was looking, you know, just to kind of give me a, a read on uh, Metal Archives, and I noticed the song isn't even on there. Yeah, but I mean, the song my 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 favorite song on this album, hands down, is Shrines, and yeah. that's on that's only available, as I understand it now, on the limited edition Digipack. Yeah, it's on the digital version as well. So if you're streaming yeah. it on, you know, band on spotify or whatever yeah the shrines that's like a, a amazing song as well probably the best song on the album as well as symbolic virtue and then i would say from the album proper i really like the song from the gallows it's one of the ones that is yeah i love it. from the gallows i love uh until the grave i think blood and chaos is incredible uh the longest winter masterpiece i mean this to me is an, is an album that doesn't miss um ever yeah this is up there like I said, like when it comes to the kind of apocalyptic feeling, blood and chaos is one hundred percent like, uh, like just like apocalyptic. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm. It's like well, you know, in, 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 apologies for talking over you, but when we get, get go back to shrines, I think one of the things about shrines that's so great is it shows one of, in my view, one of the things that Greg is best at when as a, as a songwriter is he is somebody that can say an awful lot with not many notes. He doesn't need a huge amount of technicality to to ring out an extraordinary amount of emotion out of a melody or out of a song. And the way that that song builds up, you know, with this kind of very, like, very, very simplistic melody, and then they just start adding layer upon layer upon layer on it until it, like, gets to the chorus and it's this really kind of heavy, you know, Im- impactful piece. Um you know, he he has always been because of that, like one of my favorite songwriters, but but actually one of my favorite guitarists too, because he has a very distinct way of writing leads. For example, um, you know, he's just a guy that doesn't. Um, he's very economical with the way that he writes music. He he doesn't toss a lot of showy nonsense in there. Every single thing that he writes, you can hear, is in service of the song, and I I I, I like that because I think I think it's more intelligent to write music that way than to make it overly technical i would agree yeah i mean i think that he's one of the best songwriters in uh in battle period you know one of the best yeah. guitar players and he's one of the best guitar players because he's not like he knows how to write the song for the atmosphere and the feeling that he wants to express as opposed to just like being flashy or technical you know yeah like, and by the way as a, as, a, as an aside based on what he's done in Strigoi and Valenfire, he's also one of the best vocalists. He's fucking, yeah. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe how good he sounded in Valenfire, and I especially can't believe, like, when I spoke to him, Valenfire was the first time he ever even attempted to do death metal vocals. Yeah. And, uh, but, I mean, good God almighty, you listen to The Grim Irony or um, Black Siberia, or, I mean, it is, he sounds so cool on those on those tunes. And, on you know, this last Strigoi record, you know, the guy sounds fucking beastly. Yeah, I mean, that last Strigoi album was like incredible. I mean, I was like in my top ten, top five. You know, what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was just a absolutely incredible album. And um, and I do feel like if if people like Plague Within and Medusa, you definitely need to go listen to the Strigoi albums. You know, because I feel like hundred percent they're very much both the Strigoi albums are very much kind of continuing the Medusa sound. You know, and that that type of feeling in their own way. You know. Uh, Sirgoy is a little bit darker even than Medusa, you know what I mean? But it's kind of in that similar type of uh, vibe. And then, yeah, we talked about Obsidian earlier, and I would say Ghost, Devil Embrace, and Hope Dies Young are the best songs in this album. Yeah, Hope Dies Young would be my favorite. 
I can't see the name Defiler and not think of the there's an episode of the Sopranos called A Hit is a Hit. It's like uh, episode 10 of season 1. Um I don't know whether you re- whether you remember it or if you're as big of an, a Sopranos aficionado as I am, but uh it basically Christopher's um girlfriend uh wants to become a music manager um you know and she discovers this fucking shit band from new jersey called defiler <laughs> and it's like the worst most cliched terrible like power rock demo you can imagine and it reminds me an awful lot of some of the fucking trash i used to get sent when i was writing for chronicles of chaos um <laughs> but the one the chorus of the song is Get out of my way and don't be so gay. We're coming to defile, defile you. And whenever I see the song title Defiler, I always think of that line. Same. I always think of that, that line in the show. It's yeah. This this album to me, I would say, is is alongside Believe in Nothing. It's probably for me the the weaker album. Um, it's just to me like like it's an album that sounds confused. Like it sounds like they wanted to do one thing but they were obligated or felt compelled, obligated, whatever you want to call it, to do something that still retains some of the heavier stuff, but you can just feel that their heart's not into it. You know, back when like what I, what I was saying about an authentic expression of, of how they were feeling, I think Fall From Grace does not, you know, it it starts off okay, and then it has this ending that just feels like completely tacked onto the rest of the song. Yeah. On, on top of the fact that it has another fucking abysmal music video, which what once again whoever directed that should be sent to jail (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's horrible yeah i feel like um when that album came out fall from grace was the first single i remember and i was kind of like not very impressed like i was like it's okay and then ghost came out i was like i love this this is awesome but then uh i was hoping more of the album would be like ghosts and um unfortunately there's only it's not i would like them to do an album because i thought ghost was a really cool direction for them to go because it's it's really got that kind of um, 80s raw, like goth rock feeling to it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because like host the band and the album is definitely more in the Depeche mode type of style of things. Like it's more like there's more keyboards and electronic beats and all those kinds of stuff where I feel like the kind of actual 80s goth rock sound, which is more like, you know, you know, actual, you know, like it's not not keyboards and stuff really would go really well with paradise lost if they would do that you know what i mean if they would kind of bring in that element you know yeah no i would agree and and then actually by the way you were talking earlier about people needing to listen to strigoi you need to listen to uh the valenfire records a fragile king splinters and fear those who fear him yeah Uh, i would say especially a fragile king and splinters um the song splinters i mean jesus christ masterpiece i mean you talk about oppressive dark miserable sounding music it's you know <laughs> again it, it puts it into context when it's you know he talks about those records as as written about how he was it was a way for him to deal with his father's death but um that puts it into more context but he certainly you know by the sounds of things had a tough time dealing with it because it's 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 harrowing hearing those songs yeah i think um i like the strigoi and the valentine because it's like um, like you can tell with Paradise Lost that there there's an element where you know, like working with um Nick's vocals and stuff like that, it's a little bit different. Like you know, they want to bring in a little bit more. They want to have some singing here and there. You want to have some 
some different elements going on where with Valenfire and Strigoi is is unexpurgated like just like him like releasing this dark torrent of fucking evil you know what i mean like which is yeah it's cool to hear him do that you know and um yeah like that Strigoi album for example is up there with uh with the best of the paradise lost and a lot of Valenfire stuff is as well so totally agree like definitely like um I do think that sometimes people are a little intimidated getting into Paradise Lost because there is such a huge discography, you know, and there are different eras. So it's like, um, I think the best way to get into them is to do something like where, you know, listen to the songs that we talked about in this episode and check out each, you know, some songs from each album, get a feel mm-hmm. for where they are and then start with which, which era like speaks most to you maybe, you know what I mean? At, at the start, maybe. Yeah, no, I, I I would agree. Um, I will also make a proposal for our next installment of this. So we've got Fugazi on the list as well. Yeah. We need to do a Fugazi deep dive. And we also need to, because you've got my gears turning about that, do a My Dying Bride deep dive. Because uh, that's another band where they've just turned out so much, so much material over the years, maybe even more than Paradise Lost. You know, people don't really know where where to start uh and um you know the uh that's that's an easy answer by the way start with songs of darkness words of light (laughs) (laughs) um uh, but yeah there's so much music to get through and talk about um that those guys have produced and so much of it is fucking incredible yeah pretty much everything by dang bright has done is is great and it's funny because some of the albums that i don't like as much as i've i've met other people who or heard other people say that they're, they're they're their favorite albums. So it's funny because yeah, the thing with my dying bride is that people can have different reactions to different albums. But um, uh, you know, they're a band like I'll like for two years. There's two years in a row where they were my most listened to band on Spotify. Like I just listened to them mm-hmm. constantly for a couple years. Like my dying bride. So yeah, I mean, much like Paradise Lost, they're a band that I know every album like pretty well. Probably even because there's a few Paradise Lost albums I don't listen to quite as much. Like believe in, believe in nothing, right? But Paradise mm-hmm. with my dang bride, like I've listened to every album by them like countless times. So mm. yeah, that would be a lot of fun to go through their discography and be like, yeah, here's some songs that you should listen to from them. Hell yes, yeah. So yeah. Now I mean which one should we do first though? Should we do Fugazi or should we do my dang bride next? I think you should let let let, let your fans decide, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm down I'm down with both. I uh I am because it's summertime. I'm probably listening to Fugazi more than I'm listening to My Dying Bride. Yeah. Um, well, maybe let's do Fugazi uh, next so, and then. Yeah, maybe Fugazi is the next one. Yeah. Let's do Fugazi next and then hit My Dying Bride later on in the year. Uh, just as a just as a parting comment, by the way. So we uh, we were talking about miserable music. I was I was reading up the other day. I was just looking at like a Reddit thread, and they were talking about "I'm So Tired" by Fugazi. And like multiple people posted very serious comments there saying, if you're listening to this song frequently, you probably need to speak to somebody at the anti-suicide helpline or, <laughs> or be seeing a psychiatrist. <laughs> oh my God. That's ridiculous. Like, like I mean, they better not listen to Tired of Being Alive or something by Danzig or, you oh, know. Fuck no. <laughs> um, or Shining, like worse yet. They probably like yeah. fucking have their head blow up if they heard shining, you know. Yeah. <laughs> cool, like, dude. Well, uh, what a pleasure. I uh, I love being on this as always, and uh, looking forward to the next one. And we'll also do. Uh, we'll need to do at some point 
a uh, another news rant feature with you on Into the Necrosphere. I, I realized episode 200 is coming up in October. So I want to do something special for that. I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm still nutting around with a couple of ideas. Yeah, but uh, I might sure. I might reach out to you with uh, with one of the one of the ideas that I have. Yeah, just let me know. Well, as a matter of fact, if you if you hit if we say goodbye and we hit stop, I might I might quickly tell you what I'm thinking. Cool. Yeah. Well, I well, let's um close out. Well, thank you for coming on, Jackie, and appreciate it. And we'll have you back on soon. Awesome. Thanks very much for having me. Uh-huh.